Hello and welcome to the Leaders' Council podcast, the podcast for the people who run the country and the people who keep the country running. You join us on yet another sunny day here in the capital. I'm Matthew O'Neill, and today, as always, we ensure that we have a variety of distinct perspectives on leadership. First, we're joined by Simon Young, director and founder of Institution, a marketing and advertising company. Simon, hello. Hi, Matthew. How are you? I am well. Thank you for coming on the program today. Um, We might as well dive straight in. What does the word leader mean to you? Well, that's um, a very loaded word for me. Um, it's, I've struggled through my career with leadership, if I'm honest. So I've, I've got a few people that, well, more than a few people work for me now. Um, but the word leader, I think, you know, setting an example, um, that, that would probably be the main thing. And how would you describe your personal leadership style? Well, I've, I've, I've been, or I am, I'm autistic. So, uh, I do struggle with personal, um, relationships with people. I think I'm, I'm easy to get on with. Um, I try not to be, um, you know, confrontational with people. I like to say that, um, I can help people. Um, and if they come to me with, with problems, I'd rather sort of say to them, try and get a solution from them. Mm-hmm. And do you find uh, that there is enough support within workplaces for uh, businessmen or businesswomen with autism? I, I wouldn't know. Um, I don't, <laughs> it's not not something you know. I, when I say I'm autistic, um, I only sort of understand that from the fact that my son was diagnosed, diagnosed uh, recently, mm-hmm. and um, having gone through the process, I've been been able to understand you know, what my weaknesses are and, um, the challenges around that, mm-hmm. uh, uh, in business, I, th- I think if you, if you say, well, we're all on the spectrum to, to a certain extent, um, you know, my, one of my major struggles that I have is, uh, presentation and public speaking, you know, you can probably tell from, from my voice now, you know, if I, I get nervous talking in front of people. So mm-hmm. even though this is, only a podcast it feels you know it feels like i have to sort of it can um, be unnerving i understand that yeah. uh, it is one of those things that one hears time and time again uh, public speaking um is the greatest fear uh, uh of of most people in fact the only thing that is uh, uh feared just a little bit less is death which means uh someone uh at a funeral would rather be in the box than giving the eulogy. Uh, so <laughs> the fact, uh, the fact that, uh, people are able to, to push through like you're doing today and speak, uh, in public does show a degree of leadership, uh, because, uh, leadership is about perseverance, isn't it? Well, yeah, perseverance, uh, stress. Um, you know, I think when you look at people who run businesses, the, the biggest, thing that um comes out of that is is the challenge and all of the struggle that's gone behind it it's all right looking at someone and saying you know people probably look at me and say look he's doing really well he's successful he's got a great company uh and then and then they don't see all the challenges that are in the background they don't see how hard you've worked to get there um and you know sometimes you've got a lot of financial troubles going on i've got 
but I've got people in my workplace who, who come to me with their own, um, you know, mental struggles, you know, and they're struggling personally. So, yeah, you know, I get what you mean. And how do you help uh, your staff when they're going through these stressful moments? Uh, we, well, we've tried to do it more more sort of collaboratively, you know, to sit down and talk to people one-to-one and then with other members of staff, other people in the team, you know, where that's allowed. Um, mm. But it's, it, it, yeah, it's it's more like a family where we work, hopefully. Let's go back to the very beginning of your career when you first started out in business. Was there a particular individual or set of circumstances that shaped the way that you lead today? Um, well, I, I worked for a guy called uh, Alan Miller. I can remember him well. He was I came straight out of college and hadn't, hadn't worked in the workplace before and he wanted um, an assistant accountant. So I was, you know, I'm, I'm an accountant by qualification at the time and uh, with no experience. And uh, Alan took me to work uh, in a business that was a, a tech business and, yeah, looked after me, um, you know, helped me a lot through all the hard times as well. And then uh, uh, we, we parted company when I went on to set up my first business. But, I've, you know, I did stay in touch with him for a number of years afterwards. So, And I do, do think of him occasionally, even though that's sort of 20, 25 years ago now. Going in a slightly different direction, if I was to press you to identify the greatest leader, living or dead, who would that be? Okay, well, I, I was expecting that one to come up uh, left field. The greatest leader ever. Um, you might have to let me think about that one for a while because well, I don't want to say something silly. We can, <laughs> we, we can come back to that. Um, within the workplace, uh, of course, people are always uh, developing uh, their skills and their uh, their appetites for leadership in the future. Do you uh, provide uh, any sort of uh, coaching or uh, mentorship to your employees? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's massively important. We um, we set time aside with each of the senior members of the team to mentor individuals within their team and others from other teams within the business. Um, and we also obviously provide uh, ongoing college um, courses, training, uh, CPD, all of that sort of thing. So, um, you, you know, I think that is – I think people – would really or should come to work if they're not getting actively developed, if you know what I mean. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. What's the first piece of advice that you'd offer someone looking to uh, start a career in your business? Working for me or or as in in, In in running an agency? In the field, yes. Um, Research, have, have something different. Um, having a USP is the biggest thing in marketing. Um, in marketing at the moment, the, the issue is that the whole industry gets slated regularly. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that's for the fact of fees are overblown. I talk a lot about, um, you know, there's a lot of, lot of companies in our sector that just charge a massive fee and can't really justify it. So honesty, transparency, um, that's working for us. So I think, there is a new approach coming. Um, having a business plan, you know, the big, the biggest bit of advice is, is having a clear plan and, and sticking to it and believing in it and not doing it just because somebody's telling you it should be that way. Right. You know, I think you really have to, you must believe in it 
passionately yourself. And if you just think you're going to, you know, create a career uh, in marketing or in digital because, you know, you like it, that's not going to be enough. You really got to have that reason and that drive to, to sort of push and, and, and make yourself grow and learn and bring new ideas all the time. So, yeah, the, the planning stage is, is key at the start if you wanted to start a business. Now, unfortunately, our time together is very quickly running to its close. But before I let you go, what does the next um, 12 months have in store for Institution? We've, we've come up with some really unique um, points and plans and strategies for our customers. So we've got um, some amazing opportunities on YouTube that we're, we're running for advertisers. You know, it's a million times better than um, TV now. More people are watching YouTube than anything. We we pride ourselves on uh, measurable results, and for us, over the next twelve months, we're really hoping to break into you know the bigger businesses. So we've done a lot of work in the SME sector with success, and we we just want to now push on and sort of get to work with some house household name brands. Well, Simon, it's been an absolute pleasure discussing leadership with you, and I very much look forward to having you on the show again at some point in the near future. Simon, thank you. Yeah, and you, Matthew, thank you. That was Simon Young, director and founder of Institution. And now, if you haven't heard it before, is Jonathan White's exclusive interview with Sir Jeff Hurst. Uh, We're now joined, uh, though, by former England footballer and still the only man to score a hat-trick in a World Cup final. Sir Jeff Hurst, uh, thank you very much for coming on today. Uh, You're welcome. You're welcome. Good afternoon. Uh, And perhaps I should uh, start and get it over and done with. I know you must be bored with it and uh, you've probably been asked a thousand times. But when you got out for a duck playing for Essex, uh, Jeff, what was going through your head at the time? (laughs) Well, of course, that's not one of the most asked questions I get. Oh, there there are one or two people who are very familiar um, uh, who do Google me realise that I did... uh, score nothing for Essex, uh, for my only game for Essex first team when we played against Lancashire in Liverpool, a place called uh, uh, Egbert in, in, uh, in Liverpool, many, many years ago, 1962, I think that was. So I didn't, and, um, yes, I, I didn't really feel it at the time. It was lucky to be playing, I guess, one or two injuries. Um, but the problem that I had was, was really messing about between the two sports. That was very detrimental to me uh, over that period of time mm. being stuck between the two sports and I think uh, for those that uh, don't know there's a there's a, another world that might exist where um, Sir Jeff Hurst was a, a first class cricketer and not perhaps a, a footballer but um, whether it's business or cricket or, or football obviously the importance of leadership it can't be understated no matter what form that comes in when you were at West Ham uh, Jeff, and when um, Ron Greenwood first uh, uh, came along, he made obviously some pretty radical changes. Was this a man that genuinely inspired confidence uh, the first time you'd meet him? Absolutely. I mean, he, he was simply a, a fantastic uh, coach or teacher, if you like, at the football. And uh, the, the quite always mentioned when we talk about Ron Greenwood, Harry Redknapp, who was played under him, and has been very successful as a player and, and the manager over many, many, many years. He and he's come across many coaches, of course, and managers during his time over years. I guess he would still say that Ron Greenwood is the best coach he had worked with. He'd worked with. So you're very fortunate. I think 
you just think you're lucky when you come across if you have a great teacher at school and uh, a great coach as we had in Ron Greenwood and of course a great manager in South Ramsey. So to come across people like that of that caliber can have a huge influence on your your career, of course, and, and then your life. And that's that's quite purely the case. Absolutely. And in those early days um, at West Ham, uh, with with a manager like like uh, Ron uh, there. It's also important to have uh, uh, confidence with your other players. And of course, they become your friends. Who did you look at to at the time uh, when to inspire confidence in yourself? Was it more? Was it Peters? I think probably, well, I was very fortunate to play with the caliber of the players I did. Again, mm-hmm. again, extremely fortunate to play with you know, the captain um, of England and West Ham and Martin Peters, who was a fantastic player. And some, as far as Martin's and I think sometimes he didn't quite get the uh, recognition he deserved and what a wonderful player he was. In terms of inspiring confidence, I always probably say that the biggest influence uh, for me, I guess, would be the captain, Bob Noor. Although he was only uh, about eight months older than me, he graduated through the system probably three or four years earlier. He played for England in 62, four years before the final when I played. And so he, he was more looked upon him more as a senior player, if you like, not as a, a guy in the same age group as me. And I looked at how he how he uh, trained, how he acted, how he behaved, and how he played. And so he, he would say, I would also say he was a big influence on me. One thing I would say about leadership, uh, what I do, I do understand clearly in all walks of life, leadership is at the top, is absolutely vital for a, a, for a business, football team in any walk of life to be successful and it's quite evident I was in the motor trade for a long time as well selling car warranties to car dealerships and you could almost tell when you walked into the business uh, in a, many of the car dealerships you could almost tell from the moment you walked in by initial reaction people came and welcomed you that the business was well run or conversely not well run at all and so I understand the, the, the value and quality of leadership. And that's why I'm very fortunate to, to be involved in my career in those early days with two, two great leaders in, in Ron Greenwood and, and Alf Ramsey. Absolutely. And um, since you've already uh, brought him up, uh, Jeff, I think it'd be remiss not to go a little bit further with that. But obviously, uh, after uh, oh, at West Ham, your uh, plan came to the attention of uh, South Ramsey. Now, there's a man I'm sure when you walked into a room, you knew who was um, in charge. When it came to managing that England team, what was his style like, Jeff? Well, one thing, the first thing I say about Alf Ramsey, he's probably over my life the most powerful influence who had on me um, as a person. Um, mm. Naturally, it happens to an extent because he's got your whole career in his hand, whether he picks you for England or he doesn't pick you. It can have a great impact on your, <laughs> your career and, of course, your life. But yep. in that era, I was involved for six or seven years. He, it was quite clear who was the boss. He was quite very, very strict. Probably at a time, maybe overly strict, but at a time you probably wouldn't get necessarily get away with it in, in today's football because it's changed dramatically in how you deal with with players then and players now. But he was the most powerful man I came across, and very few people. And he, he was quite ruthless in getting people out who didn't want to be who didn't want to be part of a group, part of a team. 
it is important that if you've got a group of people, and that's in any walk of life, they're all singing off the same hymn song, and you don't have anybody that's griping or moaning about the system. And if you've got people like that in the organisation, one thing I have learned, and I've taken it on in my life, my family, you've got somebody in the group that doesn't want to be part of it, you, you get them out. And Alf, I think, was was quite ruthless of that in his, in his staff. And I think that's one, thing I, one of the most serious ones I think I've learned over a long period of time. And is there, do you think, uh, a, a specific moment, I'm sure there's probably dozens, but is there a specific moment, if you could uh, perhaps pick right now, that did show those uh, qualities in uh, Sir Alf so uh, sharply? Yes, I think for, for me, certainly, um, I think there are instances of players who you thought would, would be in the team, or certainly in the squad, and surprising there were not. There was no necessary reason for it. But looking mm. back, I do think perhaps they were people that Alf didn't think wanted to be part of the group. Um, so that that's that for me. In terms of my personal view, I think that it looked prior to the um, World Cup that I was going to be playing um, in it only a few games before. I was I was playing. And I played with Jimmy Greaves in the game against Yugoslavia only a couple of months before the final. And it looked at that stage as if I was going to be playing in, in the team. But in a couple of friendly games, more friendly games before the final in Poland and uh, uh, Norway, I think, in Denmark, mm. I didn't. I played two of the four games, and I probably didn't quite replicate my my form that I'd been showing at West Ham and in the early couple of games for England. And he he left me out in the first game of, of the World Cup against uh, Uruguay, he started off with Jimmy Green and Roger Hunt. So I, I had an impact of thinking I, at that stage I like I was going to play and didn't start because of just a lack of form. I didn't play quite well enough to justify my position. And somewhat fortuitously, I only got back in the team because of a, a nasty gash to shin um, on Jimmy Green's leg. And I think what you've said there, uh, Jeff, actually does sum that up really well. And more than that, whilst it's important to have that someone in charge with those qualities, it's almost useless if there isn't a strong and unified team behind them. And there really must have been moments, Jeff, maybe there weren't, but uh, let us know in that 66 competition, the prolonged pressure on all of you, you know, the weight of a nation, did it get to you? Oh, not for me personally, no. I, I think, and I don't, uh, not for me, not for a second. I think mm. I was just happy to be, you know, be involved in the squad initially. Uh, not at all. I didn't, you're not aware of the magnitude of the occasion, really, looking back out. Mm. So I never really felt, people talk about pressure a lot and it's there and people, players talk about, people talk about it in life. I didn't really feel necessarily feel any great pressure, pressure during the time I was there. And what is also important to say about Alf Ramsey, the people he, he left behind that were left in the squad after he moved one or two players out, the squad were uh, a, a bunch of very hard-nosed, professional, uh, top-quality people. And that was, again, the leadership that Alf showed. He, he got people in together that were very, very strong personally. Um, uh, and I think that was part of the success we had. We were a very... I always describe our, our group as hard-nosed professionals. Um, we have some great players, but 
overall, they were great hard-nosed professional players um, and great quality people who we've kept in contact with, you know, over the years. And Jeff, I've got to ask, and I'm, I'm not making this up, I've genuinely heard that people do ask you whether or not you realised there were people on the pitch at that moment. I imagine you were busy on something else. Well, I, I did some theatre shows last year. They've gone fairly well, and we're going to do a series of uh, theatre shows, in fact, starting this week, over the next uh, two or three months. And uh, at the end of the theatre shows, we have about 20 minutes where we uh, allow the people in the audience to ask questions. And there's, I won't mention both. They're too long to talk about both questions. Um, one, The other one's a really stupid one. It's too long for me to tell you. It's absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> but the, the, the other ridiculous question I get asked, did I realise there were people on the pitch? And, of course, I jokingly say, yes, I was just about to, to shoot to score the goal. And I looked round, put my foot on the ball, and looked round for a little while and said, oh, dear, there are six or seven people running on the pitch. So that, uh, I've had been asked that once at one of the theatre shows. <laughs> so I joke, make a joke about that and saying, yes, I put my foot on the ball and waited to just have a glance round, you know. Maybe it does prove there are things that, such as stupid questions, really. Um, oh, yeah, there, are, there certainly are. I've got another one which I won't bore you with. It won't be too long to tell you. Uh, I was in a Jersey or Channel Line, Jersey or Jersey, two or three mm. years ago, and most stu- stupid, irrelevant questions, absolutely nothing to do with football whatsoever, which uh, was absolutely... But I can use that now because it, it is quite funny. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe another time then. But we... Um, uh, well, you want me, I, I can tell you if you want. You've want, you got time. I can tell, I tell you if you want. Jeff, go on. Go on. I think I'd be, it would be silly if I said no at this point. Okay, so I was uh, doing a, a, at a dinner in, in the Channel Lines, three or four hundred people, black tie dinner, uh, guest of honor. Mm-hmm. And this occasion, I was speaking for about 20 minutes, then allowing uh, questions from the audience at the end of the evening. And there was usual football questions. And then all of a sudden, I heard a, somebody at the back who who asked a question. I didn't quite hear what he said. He didn't have the microphone with him. So I said, I didn't hear what he said. Can you please give mm. this chap the microphone so I can hear clearly what he said? So the chap had the mic and he said, when a turtle loses its shell, is it naked or is it homeless? Right. <laughs> what, what a question. What a question. Uh, well, I think that would be in, definitely in the stupid category, wouldn't it? So we had a laugh about that. Uh, well, uh, and that you've got to have a patient of a saint, I think, sometimes to put up with <laughs> well, things no, like I that. But then again, I found it amusing. I just found it amusing. In fact, some of the audience found it highly amusing as well. So it did. Uh, um, it did but make then again, if you, put, if you can put up with my questions, you can probably put up with uh, anything. Um, <laughs> but th- there would have become a point, though, um, Jeff. I think um, you, you were a young man when see this happened when you must have realised that people, teammates, began looking at you for leadership. Um, is that something that occurred to you or did you just realise that by, by quick, one way or the other, people actually begin to look up for you for inspiration? Well, possibly. That's never really struck me until you've actually mentioned it now, quite frankly. That's a new, a new question. Mm. Does anybody look up to me? I'm sure perhaps uh, there are there are people who pay you compliments of the fans of, of West Ham and uh, of Stoke and of course in, uh, England fans who um, 
I'm, I think probably uh, it would be very immodest of me to to suggest I, I felt that somebody was looking to me for inspiration. Um, you, but, you don't but, have to, but I will. Uh, well, um, it's, it's okay for a third party to do it, perhaps. Um, perhaps that may have been the case over the years. Uh, people look at you and um, uh, maybe uh, it has a uh, helpful effect. Uh, but I do think you, you, how you behave and set examples on and off the pitch is people must realise that that's, that has an influence, how you react and behave mm. to, to situations on and off the field. Surely probably has an impact to younger players coming in into the team latterly. Um, yeah. And and with that, looking at um, uh, football today, uh, is there anybody that you think particularly on the field or the sidelines that strikes you as someone with um, those qualities that you could identify in a in a natural leader? Um, well, a, a player, current players, you mean? Oh, players, managers, anybody that uh, you look to today, really? Well, I think. Some of the outstanding. I think the, the best example about a, a leader and at the moment is is, is uh, Klopp at Liverpool. Mm. He has been absolutely fantastic to uh, acquire the players and get them to their attitude is absolutely fantastic. They're great players, but there's more than just being good players in football. It's that a good player with a fantastic attitude and their willingness to work for each other and the team is absolutely outstanding. Hence these unbelievable results. There are, you know, and the great players not always succeed as, as individuals, or probably even uh, certainly as a team if you haven't got the right attitude alongside it. And they're probably, and that that comes through the leadership. That's not just luck. Absolutely, that's, that's absolutely leadership. He'd be the best example, of course, in, in football terms today. Uh, easily, easily. And of course, but going back not that long ago, Alex Ferguson is just absolutely. Mm. You've got to take him as the first example. But Klopp's only done this for a period of time, a short period of time. But if you look at the 25, 26, 27 years that Alex Ferguson did with Manchester United, and subsequently since he's gone, how they they are not doing so well. He's the best example of management I've seen. We've seen we've probably ever seen, and I don't think anybody will see the light of that kind of leadership again. It's ast- absolutely astonishing, astonishing. And do you think, could you imagine uh, Sir Alf or even Ron Greenwood managing teams today? Yes, I think so. I think, yes, no, mm. no question at all. I think they, uh, Ron Greenwood, yeah, the, the answer is straightforward. The answer is yes. Um, they, answer. <laughs> the straightforward answer is yes. I can elaborate as much as you want, but the straight answer is absolutely categorically yes. Uh, and with, um, and I know uh, if we could talk about this probably for the next hour or so, but um, I'm conscious of the um, time. Um, looking um, back uh, through your um, playing career, perhaps especially um, your time uh, for England, who was it uh, that, struck you more than anyone else on the pitch uh, that displayed qualities of not just leadership but uh, companionship and and level-headedness that you think that have stuck with you all these years later? 
Well, I think we were, I was very fortunate and I wouldn't pick any one player out. I think looking at so that, many. yeah, so many, and that's why we were successful because we had so many um, showing all those qualities that you just mentioned uh, throughout the team. I think that that was outstanding and, uh, and it's an opportunity to talk about uh, all of them in, in that breath. And there was nobody, and I'm going back from an earlier earlier question for me, that um, all hard-nosed professionals, good good teammates, mm. good socially, and that's why we kept in touch with each other on our golf days every year uh, up until about five years ago. Of course, with, with the sadly dwindling yes. numbers, we we still got on. Our wives got on all together. All those years later, it didn't just finish after '66. That reunion, that camaraderie, that team spirit, mm. um, getting on with each other lasted for, for a long, long, long time. And I wouldn't and when it, when you put those those questions and how you categorise those, I would pick every one of the eleven players um, who you put in that category that were like that. There was nobody else; they were all outstanding. And I think that was a big part. I can't stress how big Absolutely. a part that was. And I've said that many, many times for the success of the team. We have some great players. We have some great players, of course. But without the attitude alongside that, going back to an earlier question, you we wouldn't have been as uh, ultimately, ultimately as successful. Exactly. Without that, you, the, the the whole will never be greater than the sum of its parts. But with it, yes, the word, the word is team. the word is t- the word is team. Absolutely. And I always use the word team when I talk. Sometimes, you know, together, everyone achieves more. And that, that's the same in any walk of life. That, that's fundamental. And uh, lastly, uh, Jeff, looking, if, if you were to uh, give advice, and whether this is in sport or business or indeed any other walk of life, what would you identify, if you can, as the key tenant uh, that you can't go without in terms of leading a team, no matter what that team is? Single mind and uh, dedication dedication to the job um, thinking about that 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 role that job in leadership all the time it's a huge part of your life it, you, I don't think you can switch off when you're in, in business at the top level or sport at the top level you may you know have a, have a couple of weeks holiday but I'm even sure if, if these top managers and lead, leaders in all walks of life are away on holiday on a beach somewhere warm I'm sure there's not uh, they will not switch off for, for two weeks um, and completely uh, not think about their role as the boss of an organisation. And I think that's, you completely focus. You're always thinking about uh, things, thinking about improvements, and it's just dedication and uh, uh, tuning your life to being successful. Excellent. Well, Jeff, on that point, thank you very much for joining us today. You're welcome. Very good to nice to have a talk about this and just go over this, go over the past and just uh, refresh my mem- my own memory about the quality of the players I grew up with. Excellent. Uh, another time, uh, it would be great to talk again. Thank, thank you, Jonathan. Thank you. This has been the Leaders Council podcast. Thank you for celebrating excellence and leadership with us. I have been your host, Matthew O'Neill. Until next time, goodbye. Thank you for listening to our podcast. The views expressed within the podcast do not reflect the views of the Leaders' Council of Great Britain and Northern Ireland, its parent company or subsidiaries. Members of staff, 
all the guests, or any other person therein associated.